brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Roster Watch Nation, it's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the Garbage Grab. Today is another fantasy fallout, this time going into week five. I'm reporting on behalf of rosterwatch.com where you can find all the fantasy information you'll ever need to dominate your leagues from the draft throughout the playoffs and into the championships, because that's what we're here for, right? So let's get started going over last week's games and the repercussions on this week's games. Thursday night, Eagles at Packers. Eagles won this one 34-27. Jordan Howard's carries have gone up incrementally since week one with 6, 8, 11, and now 15 carries. And week four, a lot of his usage may have to do with unhealthy wide receivers, but we'll take it. What's improved about Howard's game is his passing game prowess. prowess. He was brought in as a banger, but he's become so much more for the Eagles. I still think this is Miles Sanders' backfield to lose. I think he's the better back overall, but Howard makes for a solid flex on the weekly. It also might be the best time to move him if you're considering it, as this will likely go down as his best game of 2019. He was 15 touches for 87 yards and two touchdowns. The bottom dropped out from under Nelson Aguilar, on Thursday night, one target for zero yards as the Eagles went to seemingly everyone else but him through the air. With Deshaun Jackson possibly returning in week five, there's no need to keep Aguilar through waivers this week. On the other side of the ball, Jamal Williams seems to have avoided serious injury after getting knocked out in the first Packers play on Thursday night. He's been released from the hospital and might actually play in week five. If he can't go, Aaron Jones becomes a running back one. And Dexter Williams, for all you fellow trash men and women out there, is likely to come in as his backup and could see quite a few touches. Devontae Adams came away with 180 yards and a case of turf toe on Thursday. The injury doesn't appear to be one that will keep him out of action for long, but don't be surprised if he misses a game or two. And ascending Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison to a lesser extent, of course, would benefit from his absence. Jimmy Graham had a 6-61 and one touchdown line. He's the definition of touchdown dependent. <laughs> He's had goose eggs 
in every game that he hasn't scored touchdowns, in both games that he hasn't scored touchdowns. He scored touchdowns in two games and had goose eggs in two games so far this season. I really think he's only worth putting into your lineups if Adams can't go this week. On to the next game, the Titans at the Falcons. Titans won this one 24-10 in Atlanta. Marcus Mariota played like a man possessed on Sunday, throwing three touchdowns for over 200 yards. It's his second hat trick of the season. And a hat trick, for those of you that do not know, is when you score three times. I mean, it's mainly used in hockey from what I observe about hockey. That's about the only thing I know about hockey. And that you're allowed to fight in the games. Anyways, it's his second hat trick of the season, and he's yet to throw an interception. I'd say he was worth streaming, but he's playing the Bills this week, so I wouldn't advise playing him yet. The fact that the Titans face the Bills this week also lowers the waiver priorities of A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, both of whom were probably dropped by now. They're still worth owning, but I wouldn't consider them from anything more than low floor flexes this week. Deion Lewis was second in targets for the Titans, but only came away with four yards on four catches. His value diminishes by the minute. But I'm actually intrigued by his potential usage against the Bills. The Titans aren't likely to attack them with the wide receivers, so it may be up to the running and short passing game to do the damage. You can't start Lewis in season-long formats, or you shouldn't. But he might be a sneaky DFS play. On the other side of the ball, Ido Smith vultured a touchdown from Devontae Freeman, but it was heartening to see the Falcons utilize Freeman in the passing game. Eight receptions for 72 yards. The Falcons still stink, but it's good to know that they're finding ways to get him the ball. I think we've reached a crossroads with him in the sense that now's a good time to move him to another team or dig our heels in on him as a back-end running back too. Because I think that might be kind of what we're going to get from him this season. Mohamed Sanu, nine receptions for 91 yards, has had only one game with fewer than 55 yards this season and none with fewer than six targets. He needs to be added in PPR leagues as the Falcons are often playing from behind this season and will likely continue to be. And on to the next game, the Browns of the Ravens. Browns won this one in Baltimore 40-25 to off of Nick Chubb's ridiculous day. I don't even need to talk about it. You already know. What you may not know is that Ricky Sill Jones, had a, the tight end, had a pretty nice line on Sunday, um, filling in for David Njoku. Three receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. But he only had three targets on the day. The same number of targets as Dontrell Hilliard and Damian Ratley. I mean, he's worth keeping an eye on, but I'm not adding him anywhere yet except for the deepest of leagues. Now is a prime time to move in on Odell Beckham Jr., who had a two-for-20 line. His pitiful game on Sunday is likely to be the low point of his season, and Jarvis Landry may miss, miss week five as he is in concussion protocol. And although Antonio Callaway is returning from his four-game suspension, I think now is the time to move in on Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think his stock's going to get any lower. If his owner has a losing record in your league, they're probably willing 
to field offers. So I'd go ahead and do it. Even with the key secondary players out, the Browns were able to curtail the Ravens' passing game. Only Willie Sneed, who sounds like an old fisherman or an old railroad conductor, had a two for 61 and one touchdown line. He had more than, he was the only Ravens player to have more than 40 yards in the air. The Ravens should have an easier time against the Steelers in week five. who will be on a short week after Monday night's game, though Marquise Brown will probably see a lot of Joe Hayden. On to the next game, Patriots at Bills. Patriots barely won this one in Buffalo, 16-10. Sony Michelle received 17 carries but only came away with 63 yards on the day against the Bills. He's been un- unimpressive in almost every way this season, but he's got a cherry schedule most of the way. Add another piece to him, and you might be able to get Odo Beckham Jr. for him. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you put him in Juju together although no I wouldn't do that yet although he oh, he's not working out with this Rudolph character anyways Mulligan for the Pats wide receivers in this one they didn't do much of anything the Bills may have the best secondary in the league next to well the Pats and it should be noted that Philip Dorsett led New England wide receivers and targets with nine though he needs to be added in all formats in all formats as far as I'm concerned James White was the Pats' fail-safe on Sunday. He was 8 for 57 on 10 targets. It seems like he shows up in tough contests, but they use him as a luxury otherwise. I don't expect him to do much against the Redskins this week in what should be a blowout. I'm not sure Rex Burkhead is healthy. He had a 1 for 7, 7 yards, that is, line. He came into the game questionable, and it seems like he really was. Although I think the game script kind of works in his favor against the Redskins. I think the Pats will go up on him early. I'm actually kind of wary of flexing him, unless I have to, as I don't know that he's really healthy right now. On the other side of the ball, Methuselah Gore or Frank Gore, as you may know him. Methuselah was the oldest person, oldest living person, or the longest living person in the Bible, if you're not familiar. And Frank Gore is the longest living person in the NFL, at least at the running back position, as far as I know. He he had 17 touches for 109 yards, And he gets no respect. He needs to be owned in more than 58, just 58% of leagues right now. Especially if Josh Allen can't go this week as he is in concussion protocol. They're going to need to lean on him. TJ Yeldon is inching his way to PPR relevance. Had a 4 for 68 line. But by the time he would probably be useful, Devin Singletary will have likely returned. Cole Beasley, former Cowboy, had a 7 for 75-yard line on 9. Well, he had 9 or more targets in all but one game this season. His ceiling is low. He's probably not going to score a lot of touchdowns, maybe not any. 
but he makes for decent PPR flex most weeks and is worth owning in those formats. On to the next game, Chiefs at Lions. Chiefs won this one 34-30. It was a close game. The Lions aren't half bad. Daryl Williams, 11 for 56 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't lead the backfield this week in touches, but he did get the goal line action, which is important for a Chiefs team. He's worth a start until Damian Williams returns, and he may be even worth flexing after that. Demarcus Robinson led all Chiefs with nine targets on Sunday, though he didn't do much with him, only four for 35. He's still worth starting as long as Tyreek Hill is out, though. McCole Hardman was even worse. Two receptions for nine yards on five targets. He's more of a deep threat, so his floor is going to be low, and that's going to be something you have to live with there. He'll be boom or bust. On the other side of the ball, TJ Hawkinson is out indefinitely out of get, after getting concussed and having his shoulder injured on the same play. He didn't get put on injured reserve, so that's good news, but there's no timetable for his return. His absence gives a boost to Martin Jones and potentially Danny Amendola if he makes it back this week. On to the next game, Panthers at Texans. Panthers somehow won this one, 16-10, although Kyle Allen um, was doing his best Matt Barkley impersonation. Kyle Allen did fantasy owners no favors and a good matchup against the Texans on Sunday, turning over the ball three times. He's not a favorable streaming option against the Jaguars this week. Jarius Wright led Panthers receivers in receiving yards of 59, but I don't think he's worth the ad, especially with the Jaguars coming up next. On the other side of the ball, the Texans' offense was anemic on Sunday as Deshaun Watson struggled to find a rhythm against the Panthers. Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde pretty much cancel each other out as the offense isn't really able to support two backs on a regular basis, at least not to any great effect. They'll how have an opportunity to get back on track against the struggling Falcons this week, though, so all those Texans are fair game. Especially Kiki QT, who will likely play in three receiver sets this week with Kenny Stills pulling up lame in the second quarter of Sunday's game. If you're looking for an upside play this week, QT against Atlanta at home is a prime candidate. On to the next game, Raiders at Colts. Raiders won this one 31 to 24 in Indy. Ty Williams has scored every game this season, but he's yet to go over 50 yards since week one. He's entirely too touchdown dependent, and Derek Carr doesn't like throwing the ball farther than he can throw you. So I'd trade him if I could. I'd trade Williams. Hunter Renfro, I'd trade him if I could, but no one's going to take him. He can go kick rocks. I know he's been talked up a lot, but it's amounting to zilch right now. He's better left on benches or on the waiver wire, actually. Marlon Mack left the game in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury, never to return. He only had 39 yards prior to that, though. Hopefully he can go this week as he has the Chiefs on the slate. If he can't go, both Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines are in play versus Kansas City. And I actually really like Naheem Hines in that one, if Matt can't play. And maybe if he does. 
Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal were Indy's best wide receivers on Sunday. But Paris Campbell, who had a 5-for-25 yard line, led wide receivers and targets with 8. If T.Y. Hilton can't go against Kansas City, which would be a shame, I'm hesitant to start any Colts wide receiver in confidence, though I think Campbell has the most upside, though he has been listed questionable at this time. Hopefully he can go. And if he does go, and if T.Y. Hilton can't go, could be fire, fireworks in Kansas City. Both Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle will be in play as tight end streamers this week against Kansas City. Because they can both be viable, it seems. Next game, Chargers at Dolphins. Chargers won this one 30-10. Austin Eckler. 23 touches, 122 yards, and two touchdowns may have just had his last monster game of the season as Melvin Gordon is slated to return to the starting lineup this week. Eckler will, hold, will still hold standalone value, especially if Mike Williams sits again, but the window to trade him for anything substantial is pretty much closed. Dontrell Enman led all charges with seven targets on Sunday in Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin's absence. He was five for 76 yards. But he went down with a quad injury late in the game. Jeremy Davis is the next man up if none of these guys can go this week. Mark Walton, on the other side of the ball, played ahead of Kalen Balaj. Mark Walton is a running back, if you didn't know. <laughs> Both of these guys belong on waivers. Preston Williams does not belong on waivers, though he had his most disappointing game of the season. He led the team with seven targets. He's still my and Josh Rosen's favorite option in the Dolphins' passing game, though they get a bye this week, so it's not it's it's not an absolute must that you pick him up right now. Redskins at Giants is the next game. Redskins lost this one three to twenty four. Dwayne Haskins, he may be the future <laughs> at quarterback for Washington, but he's not the guy right now, and neither is Case Keenum. Colt McCoy could very well start against New England this week, but I'm staying away from all Redskin offensive skill players and what should be an embarrassing fiasco on all accounts. Well, I guess you could take a chance on Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson, but I wouldn't expect much. Daniel Jones looked more like a rookie in this one, throwing two picks, but at least he keeps things interesting with his feet. I'm not relying on him against Minnesota this week. Wayne Gallman was solid in his Saquon Barkley impression, but John Hilleman vultured 10 carries. Much of it was with the game well in hand, and he actually fumbled on the goal line, so I wouldn't think he'll get much run this week. And then Golden Tate returns after his four-game suspension this week, complicating things for Sterling Shepard. He gets a lot of snaps out of the slot. Hopefully they move Tate outside some so they don't cancel each other's fantasy values out. But, I mean, they're kind of redundant players if you think about it. On to the next game, Seattle at Cardinals. Seattle won this one 27-10. Will Disley was Russell Wilson's favorite receiver in this one. He had seven receptions for 57 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. He scored in every game, but the first of the season so far, and he looks like Wilson's go-to in the red zone. He's still unowned in about 20% of leagues, so there's a chance you could still go get him. 
Chris Carson got 144 yards on 26 touches on Sunday, and man, it's a hold on to the ball all game. Rashad Penny was lifted, listed as a full participant on Monday, so he's likely to play this week, muddying Carson's outlook somewhat. They both stand to do well against the Rams defense that just got roasted by the Bucks' running game. Carson is more of a running back too, while Penny is a flex for that one. DK Metcalf was pretty useless in this game, but the Seahawks didn't really need him. He'll be an upside play against the Rams this week. On the other side of the ball, the Cardinals can't seem to win, but Kyler Murray keeps putting up fantasy numbers that are pretty good, so I can't complain. Fortunately for him, he gets one of the few teams playing worse than the Cardinals right now, the Bengals, in Week 5, so keep him out there. Christian Kirk, wide receiver extraordinaire, left the game with 30 seconds left. Oh, that's sad. With an ankle injury on Sunday, we'll get an update on Wednesday, but if Kirk can't go this week, Keyshawn Johnson is the next man up. He's less of a big play receiver, but he can catch the ball. Kirk has been number six in targets this season, so there will be plenty of those to go around if he cannot play. On to the next game, the Buccaneers at the Rams. Buccaneers won this one 55-40. There seems to have been a changing of the guard in the Tampa backfield, much to the delight of many, including myself. Ronald Jones outtouched Peyton Barber 20-9 and looked good in the process, posting 82 yards and a touchdown. He's owned in less than 45% of leagues, so he should be a top waiver priority this week. On the other side of the ball, Robert Woods finally got out of his slump this week with a 13 for 164-yard line as the Rams moved the ball almost exclusively through the air. Jared Goff threw for 517 yards and 68 attempts. And though he didn't look great, it doesn't really matter for our purposes. Todd Gurley only ran for 16 yards on five carries, but the Rams were playing from behind all afternoon. Fortunately, he had two scores and 54 yards receiving on seven receptions to help salvage his day. Either way you cut it, he's going to be heavily involved in this Rams offense. On to the next game, the Vikings at the Bears. Vikings lost this one 6-16. The Vikings are pulling up these snoozers. For some reason, Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski thinks this new-look offense is a good one, which it's not. If Dalvin Cook can't get going, like in this one, they have to be able to open up the playbook, air out the ball a bit. Stephen Diggs finally had a decent showing, but much of much of that showing came on one play uh, with a 39-yard reception. Kirk Cousins is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in football. I've always said it. The guys didn't believe me, but now I hope they will. And it's starting to be apparent. In the past, he's been a slow starter. Every season has been something I've noticed, so maybe he picks things up. I hope he does for the sake of other Stephen Diggs and Adam Thielen owners. If not, it could be a long season. Fortunately, the Vikings get the Giants this week, but it's probably going to be more of the same, running the ball a lot. They can't sustain two top-tier wide receivers right now. On the other side of the ball, Chase Daniel honestly looked, if not as good, maybe better than Mitch Trubisky has recently and really for the starter who dislocated his shoulder and tore his labrum on Sunday. Trubisky won't require surgery, though, and will be back sooner than later, whatever that means. It doesn't really matter much in my opinion. 
outside of David Montgomery and Allen Robinson, there aren't any Bears worth starting right now. And that goes for you, Tariq Cohen. The Jaguars at the Broncos for the next game. Jaguars won this one 26-24. Raquel Armstead got eight carries for 42 yards in this one, but they were just breathers for Leonard Fournette, who touched the ball 31 times, which is probably more often than... Probably more time touching the ball than than Kirk Cousins, <laughs> actually. Um, DJ Chark finally had his first game without a touchdown. He went four receptions for 44 yards. But it was just because it was called back on a penalty. He actually did have another touchdown, but it was called back on penalty. He's still Minshew's first option, and he's still the target leader on the team. He needs to be owned. On the other side of the ball, Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay are relegating each other to RB3s on most days. There just isn't much upside with the two of them. And Cortland Sutton finally got at the Schneid this week. Twice to be exact. Two touchdowns, six receptions for 62 yards. The Broncos picked on the Jalen Ramsey list Jaguars with Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders all day. Sutton makes for a decent play against the Chargers this week who have been who all who have stymied, actually, Emmanuel Sanders in the recent past. So maybe Sutton's the one who gets off. On to the Sunday night game. My Cowboys at the Saints, they couldn't pull it off. They look like the, they look like the Titans usually do out there on offense. Cowboys lost this one 10-12 in New Orleans. Dak Prescott checked down all night. The Cowboys couldn't get anything going on offensively, it seemed. Things probably won't get much easier against the Packers with their now swarming defense. Though, the Eagles showed a pathway to success on Monday night, which is to run the ball, so expect a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. Randall Cobb couldn't get anything going, even without Michael Gallup around. He's best left on benches for the time being. On the other side of the ball, once again, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara were the only Saints who got anything going fantasy-wise with Teddy Bridgewater under center. Bridgewater may have to force the issue against Tampa and their high-scoring offense this week. And then there is the Monday night game, which I'll talk about briefly. The big story here is Jalen Samuels, who rushed 10 times for 26 yards and had a touchdown and adding eight catches for 57 yards on eight targets. He needs to be owned, folks. I don't know that they'll use him this way every week, but with that being a possibility, he's well worth owning and worth flexing, too, it seems like, in in easier matchups. Juju Smith-Schuster, it's a shame his talent is being wasted in Pittsburgh. Three of four for 15 yards. It's pitiful. I I never thought I would say it, but Juju Smith-Schuster, you might want to try trading him because he kind of stinks right now. I mean, he doesn't stink, but Mason Rudolph, Mason, Mason Rudolph doesn't really click with him like he clicks with some of the other receivers, well, really one of the other receivers, and that is Deontay 
Johnson, who caught all six of his targets for 77 yards and a touchdown in week four. Johnson has been the best Steelers wideout since Mason Rudolph has come under center. That second-team doctrine. Although you would think that James Washington would be playing better with Mason Rudolph as Mason Rudolph as they played together in college, but it's not turning out that way. Deontay Johnson is fast, and he can open up the field. He needs to be owned right now as a big play threat for the Steelers because no one else is right now, at least on the wide receiver core. As far as the Bengals go, uh, pretty pitiful on the night. Joe Mixon had a decent game. But he's a back-end running back, too, right now. That offensive line just won't hold for anything. And we don't know when A.J. Green's coming back. They keep losing games. It may not be for a long time. So I would actually try trading him, too, if I could. I don't know who's going to take him. Um, maybe someone who's now 4-0 or 3-1 and would take him off your hands for somebody decent. But it might be quite difficult. Anyways... That's it for the fallout going into week five. I hope there's something here that you can use or at least mull over, think about during the week as you look over waivers, look over your trades, and there'll be more tools, more information you can come to pertaining to waivers and trades on rosterwatch.com over the next few days. So come join us. Give us give it give yourself the gift of a roster watch <laughs> subscription. You'll be delighted ultimately. Anyways, this is the trash man on behalf of rosterwatch.com. Until next time, be ready. <laughs>